Hi, and welcome to The Indian Edit, a fortnightly podcast featuring innovative and inspiring women from all over the world. My guest today, Saili Goyal, is founder and editor of Coco and Jasmine, an independent cultural publication. And she's joining me by Skype from Delhi in India right now. Thank you so much, Saili. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's great. I've been following your work for a while and love the magazine um, and your beautiful website. So really excited to hear more about how you came to this whole world of cultural entrepreneurship. Um, but first, I'd love to hear a little bit about your childhood. Um, what were you like as a kid? Have you always been interested in art and craft and um, also the influences from your childhood that really led you down this path of, you know, exploring your love for different aspects of culture, um, but also being a kind of self-starter? Um, really curious if your parents were like that, if that was just the atmosphere in your home. Um, tell me a little bit about that. Sure, sure. So, well, I would begin with, um, you know, talking about my school, actually, I went mm -hmm. to modern school. Yeah. And I'm talking uh, in, you know, back in the 90s, when when there weren't so many good schools, and people did not really understand mm -hmm. uh, how to pick a school. And I would say <laughs> it was really by destiny that I went to modern school that actually focused a lot on uh, extracurricular activities and arts. Oh, and, uh, you know, just because modern is a very, it's an old, very prestigious, well-established school. So I would have thought it's much more sort of strict and typical and academics yeah. only focus. I didn't realize it had such an extracurricular yeah. kind of You know, emphasis. actually, if you look at the alumni, we have so many creative people come out of uh, modern school. Yeah. So it was it was really stroke of destiny that I was there. My folks are actually from Punjab. So we moved to Delhi when I was born. Oh. So I, I would I would say it was like meant to be. And <laughs> uh, my mom is a creative person. So oh. she studied interior design in her college. And she always wanted uh, her children to be, you know, interested in arts and crafts. So mm. I remember like doing so many school projects with her and we would really like go that extra mile to create that 3D project. Mm -hmm. And every summer we would be put in art classes and mm. computer classes when, you know, computer was unheard of. And um, or even, uh, you know, going for dance classes. So I would say that it, it was introduced to me at an early age and that interest was definitely there. Mm -hmm. But I remember in the sixth or seventh grade, we started to go to this library uh, called the British Library in Delhi. Yeah. And I would go. I still have those sketchbooks, actually. I was so interested in books which had illustrations. Mm -hmm. I was so interested in books that had, you know, history. And then they were talking about art. And I would mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, stay there all day taking notes. Like I was a complete geek. <laughs> so it was, um, it was really uh, back then, I would say that the journey started and mm -hmm. it's still continuing. You know, I'm still realizing all these underlayers of what I do because it's still so difficult to put uh, it in one word uh, as in what I do because yeah. you know, it has it has arts, it has, it has crafts, it has textiles, it has design. And my formal education was in fashion design and textiles. But honestly, another mm. stroke of destiny that I went to London 
Mm-hmm. And uh, London being, you know, pretty much like the arts capital of the world, I would say, I was so excited to just visit museums and galleries and it yeah. opened this like Pandora box for me. <laughs> so so I would say it's, it's the curiosity yeah. and uh, also things kind of coming my way that, that shaped this. That's amazing. So you went to London. So at that point, you'd already decided you wanted to study textiles or fashion. Is that right? Yes. So again, you know, when you're slightly creative, you have all these people tell you uh, what to do. And fashion design was a very obvious choice. Mm. It was actually third year in uni. I realized I wasn't so interested in fashion, but I was interested more in textiles. And that's when I majored in textiles. Oh, interesting. So when you studied textiles, uh, this is at an undergrad college in England. Which which one was it? Uh, London College of Fashion, University of Arts, London. I see. So was it a global view on textiles or did you sort of find a way to study Indian textile more? Or how did that sort of begin this journey for you, focusing on Indian craft and design? So the school is actually a very technical school. They focused a lot on the technical aspects of it. And by the third year, I realized that it was me who had to put in that extra effort to really find that one or two things or, uh, you know, research out of college. So Mm -hmm. college, I wouldn't say contributed a lot. It Mm -hmm. contributed in a way where... You know, I had access to all these different nationalities and my understanding of cultures grew. But I think the city London contributed to my education. And then uh, the internships I was able to do. I was always interning. Sometimes I was missing classes to go sit into lectures that were, you know, free (laughs) for, say, uh, students from all all walks of life. So for me, I was just curious in learning. I wouldn't say the course helped me a lot. Mm, so interesting. Well, London is one of the greatest museum cities in the world. Uh, and the v is just so special, I imagine. I agree. It's just, uh, yeah, a, a whole different kind of parallel education that you got. Um, Definitely. Yeah, so cool. So after your time in London, did you move back to India or how did you end up coming back to Delhi? Well, uh, I was desperate to stay in London, I have to admit, because that city just brings out the best in me. But I couldn't because their visa regulations were strict. So yes, I came back. But then coming back to Delhi, I realized that I had completely changed. I just couldn't fit in. And I'm talking about Delhi in 2011, when Mm -hmm. we kind of had this uh, shift of, you know, opening of a lot of small businesses. There were a lot of creative agencies, a lot of cafes came up. So there was this kind of alternate culture development that happened in Delhi. Uh, But there was also this kind of like traditional setup. Like most of the times I would say my challenge was trying to explain what I wanted to do and what I did and how Mm. I was automatically not starting my own business and how I was, you know, still interested to do volunteer work and internships. So I Mm -hmm. just chose to move to Bombay instead because I thought it was slightly more experimental and I would kind of have that mental space to explore things that I wanted to do. Mm. And I landed up working for a textile company, a very well-known textile brand, actually. It's called Pure Concept. And they were very, uh, very, very ahead of their times. And... uh, I was also very lucky, I have to tell you, that all my bosses were visionaries. So this guy who I was working for, mm-hmm. he he understood what I wanted to do. And he actually put me in home styling. 
And I realized I was never a technical person. Even now, I'm I'm not a perfectionist, you know. Mm. Um, so what was to, it you, what was your vision at that time for what you wanted to do? Is it what you're doing right now? Uh, yes, but I did not know how to bring it all together. And I mm-hmm. did not at that time know that you could have an independent magazine and be doing all these things. You know, mm-hmm. I knew I was interested in cultures. I knew I was interested in travel, mm-hmm. but I also wanted to create, have something of my own, mm-hmm. just the right amount of time to myself and with other people. Yeah. So I wanted that freedom, but I also wanted that control. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> that obviously, you know, took lots of years for yeah. me to realize that, uh you know this is this is what is perfect for me but the mm-hmm. the journey that you know took place for me to come to this point is very exciting because that first job where the boss was such a visionary mm-hmm. he really contributed to uh to who i am because you know he was so creative mm-hmm. and i would say like every place that i was going to i was pretty much just choosing out of my gut i was just mm-hmm. choosing mm-hmm. Uh, because of my intuition and when i felt like i wasn't growing i just left so my career graph is actually very uh, I don't think any corporate would ever <laughs> hire me because, you well, know, sounds uh, like an entrepreneurial journey. <laughs> yeah, because I was not there for the comfort zone. I was not there for, you know, to look good. Yeah. Um, and I, I was introduced to home styling and I was doing photo shoots for them. I was sourcing mm. things. I was putting together pictures and I was, you know, coming up with these branding exercises. Mm. And I realized that there was there was so much that I needed to still learn and explore that I didn't understand in the uni. And I actually went back to London after that for six months to be able to try get a job mm-hmm. in London because London was great, but that didn't happen. And there were just too many things that were happening. And I came back to uh, Delhi again and I started to work with a creative agency. Mm-hmm. And I think that was great because when you're with a creative agency, you're working with so many different kinds of people, so many mm-hmm. different kinds of businesses. And and that's where my branding mind comes from. And branding mm-hmm. is super creative huh? because you're working with so many different kinds of businesses and you can do so many things. Uh, so I would say it really like contributed to what I'm doing now. Mm, so interesting. So you really got the, the sort of right training, but in kind of unexpected places. Yeah. Um, that's that's fascinating so at what point did you decide to launch into starting the magazine and website on your own uh this was three years ago so i I mean i'm not even gonna go into the amount of jobs i've done but the last (laughs) one before this was with a travel company who organized uh cultural trips for magazines for photographers and i was their communications head so i was actually uh, talking to all these different magazines in the US and in the UK and mm-hmm. Europe to mm-hmm. invite them to come to India and travel with us. So mm-hmm. I was taking part in curating their journeys, but also mm-hmm. understanding how independent magazines work because, mm-hmm. you know, this was this was pretty much everything that I ever wanted to do. It was curating. It was our direction. You could talk about things that you like, which is textiles. Uh, you know, and you were working with creatives. So there was this kind of, you know, human need to share and interact that was getting satisfied. Mm -hmm. And then you had complete control. So it opened this whole, you know, world of independent magazines to me. And and I realized Mm -hmm. this is it, you know, this is what I want to do. 
That's but, so interesting. So when you say these, the independent magazines were the ones who were coming, traveling to India, they were the client, right? Yeah. So what kind of magazines were these? So I remember curating for Serial Magazine from the UK. Rosa and Rich, the editors and the creative director, mm-hmm. uh, had come to uh, India. And I was curating with the rest of the team. And I was managing uh, the whole communication, how things would go. And also what was interesting was that what came out of it, you know, how yeah. they published that content. So I understood the whole process. Mm-hmm. But not just that, but being in that company, I, I was, uh, you know, I created a travel kit for them which was mm-hmm. made out of khadi textiles uh, we did events which were photography and conversation so it was such a dynamic role mm-hmm. and i realized i wanted to create like something cultural that did not fit this one box yeah. so even though coco and jasmine is known as a magazine and this is how people resonate with it you don't mm-hmm. want to confuse people with lots of things i feel like there are so many undertones to this you know there, right. there's travel experiences there's events and and this is the fluidity of it all is what excites me because i can tomorrow just grow this into any direction that i want it to grow in yeah that's so fascinating so uh, it's, it really sounds like you brought together all your different experiences in the work that you do now. But just give us a clearer picture of what it is now that you're doing, because you've hinted at, you know, the obviously the magazine is a print magazine. You've had a couple of yes. issues. It's beautiful. And we'll get into the details about that. Um, there's a website which also has some of the same content, beautifully presented um, articles and photographs, traveling and, you know, highlighting craft and design. But there are th- other things that you're doing, too, which relate more to travel or events like you alluded to. Yeah. So to tell us a little bit more about that. So primarily it is a print magazine. It's an annual print. And mm-hmm. I take a at least six months to do research on certain themes, certain geographies. And again, super intuitive. Where do I want to go? What is exciting me right now? Mm-hmm. Who are the people inspiring me right now? So it's it's not very strategic, I would say. It's very intuitive. Mm-hmm. So print magazine is a very tangible way of, you know, explaining what Pope and Jasmine is. It's a yeah. publication. But uh, digital serves a very different purpose for me. It's more about uh, staying in touch with everybody who I want to stay in touch with. Mm-hmm. So right now, Instagram is like the shop window, you know, uh, where I understand what other people are doing. Other people are understanding what I am doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, digital stories happen when I feel like writing something or when Mm -hmm. I have content to talk about. So I'm actually not a very... Uh, you know, not very strict on these many stories have to be pulled out every month or okay or like that at all. Right. Um, so I would say primarily we're a publication, we're a slow journal. We talk about travel, design, uh, you know, slow living, women mm-hmm. entrepreneurship. Um, yeah, lots of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, craft only because I studied it. So it's a very natural uh, kind of, you know, uh, instinct to go towards it. But, you know, actually for the next issue, I'm more interested in arts. I'm interested in how artists and designers are using these crafts and mm-hmm. more like the contemporary angle of it. Plus, mm-hmm. I also saw a gap that, you know, everybody who was representing India or talking about India, there was this kind of... Uh, you know, one way of talking uh, about it. And like, you know, even if you see it in, say, other mediums like movies, uh, you know, India is represented in only one light. Um, (laughs) And I felt like 
there was this gap there was all these things that were happening in india that nobody was talking about mm-hmm. at a global platform yeah and that's that's really what i wanted to do i wanted to talk about our homegrown brands i wanted to talk about even so the experiences that i curate uh, mm-hmm. so apart from the magazine i curate experiences for creative people who want to you know travel uh, mm-hmm. more than say the basic kind of yeah. uh, sightseeing kind of travel i want to show them things that locals do i want to take them to uh, you know an authentic coffee shop i mm-hmm. want to take them to homegrown luxury brands mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so so that was the vision and that's yeah. pretty much being uh utilized i would say in the print magazine if yeah. you have a copy of the print you would know that you know uh, the design is very minimal yet mm-hmm. it has that spirit of india mm-hmm. um and you know the magazine doesn't always uh, have to be only about india like like i said like the next issue yeah. would cover mexico to morocco so indigenous cultures but again there's so much that's happening within these cultures that's mm-hmm. not uh, that's not necessarily uh, traditional yeah that's that's what i'm interested in i'm mm-hmm. interested in east meets west i'm interested in you know how old meets new Yeah. Um and this kind of global spirit. Yeah. Uh, how does a French person go fit in so well in Morocco? Mm-hmm. You know, how come there are so many uh interesting people now living in Jaipur? You know, I was in Jaipur yeah. recently and I met with five to six designers who just decided to move to Jaipur and it's become yeah. so cosmopolitan and they're creating design that I have not seen before. Yeah. So I'm interested in this spirit. Yes. So magazine's main vision is to capture that yeah. and then I extend it to experiences i extended to a studio service mm. uh i work with different brands to help them curate to do branding exercises mm. i help them with art direction projects which is which is how i make my business sustainable mm. because i really don't want the magazine to be this run of the mill you know just talking about numbers and advertising yeah. so studio kind of helps the magazine like that got it and um so are those clients that you work with uh indian or international people coming to mostly india mostly international oh, okay mostly international because i'm able to add more value to them mm. uh international people who want to work in india who want yeah. to work with indian suppliers mm-hmm. uh, indian crafts people or who are coming to india and want to experience it in a certain way so mm-hmm. and in general i think my aesthetic just relates really well uh with with clients outside of india mm. so so yeah very uh, cool i de- i recently did something for gooders mm-hmm. uh and i was very excited about that but also like gooders is a very unique brand you yes. know so they are very uh all about culture and that's yeah. why i fit in and they're point on with their aesthetics yeah. so um that's why i fit in so it is definitely a lot about the kind of brands i work with as well yeah. of course yeah. um and so in- the third aspect mm-hmm. of it is teaching and mentoring which i have mm-hmm. recently started and mm-hmm. it had been on my mind for the longest time mm-hmm. but i've been giving workshops in different design schools about uh publishing curating art direction because you know again schools here are very uh i would say typical in their education and they they don't really focus on the thinking part of it but teaching part of it mm. um my job is really like to make students think out of the box mm. and excite them about other things you know excite tell them that you can actually train to be a graphic designer but you can totally own a magazine later mm-hmm. um so yeah 
I love it. I love it. All this and you're only 29. <laughs> That's great. Um, so tell me a little bit about the magazine and the nuts and bolts of it, because, you know, it's one thing to have a digital platform, even there. I mean, your website is beautiful. I don't know if you have a um, sort of professional person doing it or if you do I it yourself. It. Oh, that's amazing. It's gorgeously yeah. done. And um, tell me about the magazine itself. I know you mentioned that you're sort of self-funding it in a way. Yeah. Um, but the nuts and bolts of it, like how do you take that content that you have and actually turn it into this beautifully laid out print publication? So it begins with firstly understanding and looking within what is exciting me. So I'll walk you through, like, for example, the London to India issue. Yeah, um, got that open so, right here. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, I was it, it, it was two to three months of research, firstly, understanding what is happening within textiles. Mm-hmm. And I saw that, you know. Um, so many brands were using Indian textiles. Suddenly, they were using Indian textiles, and they were they were they were all going towards West. Mm-hmm. And UK and India have this history, right? Sure. And nobody has explored it in a sort of design way. I felt, mm-hmm. and I thought there was room to explore that. So I actually went and lived there for three months. So first issue, Himalayan issue, I went and lived in the Himalayas for three months. London issue, I went and lived there. So it's a very slow process. I do a lot of research. Mm-hmm. I come up with hundred things that I can talk about. Yeah. I chase people for <laughs> interviews and meetings. Yeah. And then out of those hundred twenty happen then there's a third process of curation which ones would actually fit into long stories which one would fit better on the digital platform Mm -hmm. some just make it to the instagram platform some turn out to be you know clients later Mm -hmm. so it's a lot of flexibility within the process Mm -hmm. but print issue is more timeless print issue is more wider appeal Mm -hmm. print issue is more uh also visual you know wherever i have better visuals i'm Mm -hmm. able to put that in print Mm -hmm. um print issue is a lot about uh long form journalism Mm -hmm. so if you have seen the magazine you must have seen that you know i haven't done 300 word pieces so um yeah a lot of it is slow reading reading that would be relevant even after five years yeah uh so it's it's a little bit between a coffee table book and a magazine i call it a magazine because that terminology just works yeah uh, but honestly like i think it's a little bit between both these things and coffee table books can be intimidating right nobody really <laughs> reads them i feel uh so this is this is in between that so yeah. um digital is more uh you know reading it on your phone and i say met somebody who's really exciting to talk about so i'll put them in the, on the digital platform mm-hmm. so this is this is pretty much uh how i you know work around the content yeah and it's three months of designing and editing and printing production is extremely difficult when it comes to maintaining quality and doing low volume Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of funding it's really Coco and Jasmine Studio that funds it so mm-hmm. I try to work with uh, you know as many clients as I can but at the same time you have to strike that balance between uh, creative development because you know yeah. when you're creating a magazine you don't want to be run-of-the-mill content so actually 15 days out of 30 days I'm just reading I'm working mm-hmm. on myself I'm mm-hmm. painting because that space is really important for me if I want to create from an authentic place mm-hmm. so working with clients is actually just five days a month and mm-hmm. uh, just having only very little money 
trust me, to make this magazine because the cost of distribution is, oh my God. So if somebody actually wants to do this for the business side of things, they really should like work out the numbers because trying to maintain the authenticity of what you're creating and, you know, you want to also reach out to the right kind of people um, and you want to grow yourself. So that balance is really like, I would say the art of it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But I'm also learning as I'm growing. I mean, with the London to India issue, uh, it was really bad luck that the day COVID uh, lockdown happened, our copies reached our distributor. So the distribution actually started only recently, like two months ago. Oh, wow. Um, And people are still, you know, you can't always control all aspects of it. So, for example, how a bookshop keeper is displaying your magazine is going to make or break the story. Mm. Uh, But you can't control that. So there are lots Mm. of challenges. Yeah. Uh, I'm learning. I yeah. know what I want to do better next time. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I hope that answers your question. It does. I mean, I'm also curious, though, about the actual production. Do you just lay it all out? And uh, did you just learn this on the go? And then you just send it off to a publisher in Delhi? How does that actual nuts and bolts? So, Coco and Jasmine work? is the publisher. So, yeah. I'm registered as an independent publishing company. Okay. Um, I guess I should say printer, like the people who are actually producing. Exactly. So I work with a printer here in -hmm. an industrial area, but Mm -hmm. there are challenges to that as well because they don't actually entertain low volume. So, Mm -hmm. and if you have the magazine, then you've seen that, you know, that it's really good quality paper Mm -hmm. and I've not uh, compromised on the quality of it. So, the cost of production is super high. It's super yeah, high. Yeah. Um, so that's where the challenge lies. And uh, I'm so designing what sort of myself print to be run honest, Do you have? Sorry, just wanted curious. Two thousand copies. Like, sorry. Two thousand copies. I see. Okay. And yeah. you got it into some really wonderful um, locations, though. I mean, I think some of the Taj boutiques are carrying them, and Good yeah. Earth. Yeah, so I've been extremely, so this was definitely one thing I didn't want to compromise on. I wanted it to be in the right places, reaching just the right people, because, you know, I'm more focused on creating a strong base for the next issue. So Taj uh, CMYK bookstore in Bombay has Mm -hmm. it, Kudat stores have it, Vayu in Bikaner House has it, Napadori Mm -hmm. stores have it. This is only in India, we're in 40 plus stores across the world. And these are all very special bookstores. I don't know if you know of Shriji in London, they've just opened a new store. Um, so they have my copies and uh, it's doing really well there Um, so for me this is the exciting part it's very fulfilling when like-minded community appreciates what you're doing yeah Um, absolutely so going back to production I'm actually designing it myself basically because I want to save the cost so a lot of the things I I do I do it myself because it's just faster I know exactly what I want Mm -hmm. and it saves money you know Um, Mm -hmm. so the digital design is all me and the print design is all me uh hopefully i will have a little bit more money uh in in the next issue to to actually hire people yeah but uh yeah that's great that's great so did you take all the pictures as well uh the people you've interviewed 
Is this, do yeah. you have a professional camera that you use or are these like smartphone I pictures? Do. Yeah, so I would say my strength is photography. Even when I was in uni, I always had a camera and I was taking a lot of photos. Right yeah. now on my phone, I have some 20,000 photos. I'm addicted to photos. I love taking photos. <laughs> so uh, photography is definitely my strength and 70% of the photos in the magazine are mine. Oh, okay. But sometimes when the interviews are, say, over the phone, then the person also sometimes sends us the photographs. Right, so, for okay. example, Dishum were very specific about their branding yes. guidelines. So, they actually gave us the... Okay, the I was looking at those. Yeah, that was a wonderful yeah. story. I really um, enjoyed yeah. reading the Sh- Shamil Takrar, yeah. the Dishum founder. Um, I mean, that whole vision of his that you got in that interview is just so amazing. I didn't really sort of realize their approach and um, how they go about, you know, really creating the story and the design of the whole space and, of course, the restaurant itself and the food. But um, that was really, really uh, one of my favorites in that issue. I'm glad. Um, And you've got some incredible, I mean, you have Anita Lal from Good Earth in here. Um, You have a wonderful... um, a picture essay in Maheshwar. Um, yeah. I think you've collaborated with Hema as well from Amba, uh, yes. who's been on the podcast and so many other really interesting people. Um, mm-hmm. I guess I have a few questions about that as well, um, about access to a lot of these people, how you sort of got to speak with them. Uh, so maybe let's start with that and then I have more questions. <laughs> Sure, sure. So I would say it's a combination of one, the schools and colleges I went to, uh, the seven years of work experience I had before starting the magazine. So a lot of these people I was following since then. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sometimes people introduce each other. Um, but sometimes actually cold calling works because if Mm -hmm. you're doing something that's honest it is going to connect with that honest person as Mm -hmm. well so good you mentioned Shamil and uh, Anita Ji because these two are actually my favorite interviews in this as well because I had followed their journey since they first opened you know Uh, and my email maybe you know actually showed my interest in it and that's why they responded um yeah. But Hemaji actually was kind enough to also make a few introductions. And that always happens. I was introduced yeah. to Hemaji. I think she read my newsletter and that's why. Mm-hmm. Uh, so again, you know, I'm sure she saw something in the newsletter that connected with her. So yeah. I would say what has worked is to stay authentic mm-hmm. and stay, stay persistent. Because, you know, there were some seeds that I had planted three years ago and they're only blooming now. Mm-hmm. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say, yeah, that has worked for me. Just continuously working on my craft. If you have followed my website, it changes mm-hmm. design every six months mm-hmm. because there's always something that I feel like has changed or needs a little bit working on. Mm-hmm. And it's ever growing, you know, and that's really the best part of it. And, uh, you know, I mean, a lot of people still ask me, why am I doing this? The good part of it is really the growth it brings me, the satisfaction of creating and the satisfaction of sharing. You know, so all these people who I interviewed, while they were saying these things, I had goosebumps because I'm like, oh my God, I'm experiencing exactly this. And oh my God, you did this. Uh, you know, and Anita Ji is so inspiring. Uh, you, yeah. When you talk to her, you can you can see through people, right? You can sense their energy. You can tell that they're doing things because for the love of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's it's almost like like a poet. Mm-hmm. And same with Shamal. Uh, there was one Dishoom when I was in London in 2000. 
11 mm. and uh, now there are some 7 8 shows <laughs> and each of them has like its own spirit yeah. and for me it's very exciting to know the uh, you know the how it all happened because yeah. And these are visionaries. Even on my website, I've, I've not written interviews. I've said visionaries. Or mm-hmm. even uh, Gotham Sinop Napadori. You know, 10 mm-hmm. years ago, he started Napadori. I used to just go hang in his store because I thought he was so cool. <laughs> and look at him now. You know, yeah. he's the first contemporary Indian uh, brand that has opened in London. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so, so yeah, it's, it's, it's that 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 spirit yeah that's wonderful i was gonna ask you from all the people you've spoken to because you've actually gone and interviewed so many of them in person um who the people were who really sort of stood out um who were really that impressive in person um and also people who may have made you sort of shift how you view things um and I mean, we've talked about these two. I don't know if they're top of mind for you still um, or if there are other people. Yeah, where... Shamin and Anita Ji, I think. Both really? Shamin and Anita Ji. Uh, yeah, I still go back to their interviews. And yeah. and by the way, these are really edited interviews as in I had to cut them into half almost mm. because that conversation was so long. Mm-hmm. But I still keep going back to the, these interviews and, you know, it, it resonates at a deeper level. I yeah. understand what they're saying and yeah, yeah definitely anita ji i wish she would she would she would mentor me i hope <laughs> <laughs> so do yes. you just record it on an audio format and then sort of yeah. mull it over and edit down yeah yeah exactly which is a very long process by the way i have to come up with a better yeah. way of transcribing because you know when you have twenty thousand words to transcribe it's like almost writing a book yeah um yeah yeah, yeah. amazing um what have, um, what, I mean, I imagine it's such a learning experience, all of it, but what have been some big surprises to you along the way, either in things people have shared or in your own journey, things that you just mm-hmm. weren't expecting to turn out the way they did for better or worse? Oh, surprises. Interesting. I mean, I would say firstly, my own strength has been a surprise because, you Mm -hmm. know, there were so many setbacks in these three years. Mm. Uh, There were periods of so much self-doubt and Mm. nothing was happening. Nothing was moving. Mm. Uh, So I think firstly, my spiritual growth has Mm. been the biggest uh, surprise, I would Mm. say. And also, you know, I'm somebody who writes a journal every day and Mm -hmm. I'm very big on like making lists and writing manifestations. uh, (laughs) There's so many things that I had only imagined three years ago and, you know, they've actually happened. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I really feel like it's, it's a strange concept, but there's a way that things work. You know, if you are ready to kind of put in that kind of work into uh, into what you really want mm-hmm. and also be very sensitive to energy around you and see like how things are working, when is the right time, when is not mm-hmm. the right time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would say like that journey has been the biggest surprise. Mm-hmm. But also uh, certain things in a more sort of tangible way would be like people's response to this magazine. Mm-hmm. Initially, the biggest challenge was even trying to explain what I do. You know, there were certain people who didn't even understand the name, weren't pronounced it right mm. or um, 
you know, understanding how I make money. I still get people who ask me, why do you only have 3000 likes on your Instagram? Oh, how do you make money? But why, why don't you work with this person who will just pay you a lot? Mm. Um, so I think these kind of emotional and spiritual challenges were there. Yeah. And the surprise is that, you know, there is an altogether different community that's there who actually have very well received it. Yeah. And that has been very fulfilling. Yeah. Um, yeah certain places that I thought wouldn't do well has done really well. So, for example, the magazine sold really well in Kochi. Uh, mm-hmm. It sold really well in all the countries in Europe during COVID times. Mm-hmm. I was sold out in oh, Europe. Oh, interesting. Um, so, Kochi because of the Biennale or? Yeah, I think so. They have uh, this one shop that was a venue at the Biennale and mm-hmm. they did really well. Yeah. Vayu uh, at Bikaner House did really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. you know, traditional bookstores books haven't done well. Yeah. So, there have been mm-hmm. a lot of uh, learnings mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Sure. And, That's amazing. Uh, I, I think along this this idea of finding the strength to persevere. Uh, I'm curious also about a more sort of tangible way that this, uh, I, I just sort of can't wrap my head around you traveling alone. <laughs> this is like my Indian auntie coming out, but um, you know, you, you went and stayed uh, in Ladakh for a while. You're planning to do yeah. all this travel in Mexico, Morocco. You've traveled all over India and you often do. Yeah to reach people and you know for for many reasons um that's a big part of your work um yeah so tell me what it's like do you really travel on your own do you sort of set everything up in advance um and you know I think this tells more about my own sort of sheltered (laughs) upbringing (laughs) but also my family just doesn't believe in doing anything alone so anytime you're going somewhere there'll be like 10 people to pick you up and (laughs) take you around and all of that so how did you do it and how is is this been something you've been sort of slowly kind of expanding or you know what tell me what this looks like So when I was growing up, my dad was this person who was extremely protective and, you know, we weren't allowed to do lots of things because that was the way to go about it. But then he realized when I went to London that I wasn't cut out for that life. And he Mm. realized that there was something that I missed out. And then to compensate, he never stopped me afterwards, which worked perfectly in my favor (laughs) because I I just travel whenever and wherever I want and I think they just have this deep faith and trust in me which is great because had it been any other way I wouldn't have been able to do it um traveling wise honestly I always fix uh flights and hotels and I never leave that to the end because I also would like to feel that you know it's all taken care of yeah and I make sure that you know I know a couple of people there Mm -hmm. uh but in terms of actual, what am I going to do on those days? I always put in 10 things and then land up doing four five because mm-hmm. I like that kind of flexibility. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes you also have to take like second trips, especially if they're in India, because mm-hmm. the first trip you understand that, you know, you can't actually get everything done. Uh-huh. and plus uh-huh. when there are other people involved and they don't always value your time mm-hmm. <laughs> yes so, everything so, you takes know, twice as long as you imagine yeah yeah so you have to have some kind of flexibility but yeah. in terms of just 
you know me feeling hesitant about traveling alone not at all not mm-hmm. at all i think mm-hmm. i'm i'm my best company i love my time with myself mm-hmm. almost too much <laughs> but uh, but it's also very exciting to meet new people i'm never yeah. hesitant of you know going out for i ask people out for coffees all the time by the way uh, on yeah. instagram uh most of my friends i have met during travel most mm-hmm. of my uh you know people who i meet say at a regular basis are people who i meet on instagram so i guess that helps i'm i'm pretty open like that yeah 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 i mean yeah. i found i was really struck when i first sort of connected with you um about how collaborative your approach is and um that's also kind of unusual uh not to stereotype the delhi born yeah. and raised but uh, yeah i don't fit in there at all you know sometimes <laughs> when people ask me where are you from i say delhi but i feel like there always has to be this explanation there but please don't judge me i'm not actually from there <laughs> for better or worse yeah but yeah. uh yeah so do you do even like to the down to the logistics of like do you have a car booked for all day to take you around when you're in new places or do you just sort of wing it once you're there? there yeah so uh i do whenever it's outside of india i walk a lot uh, mm-hmm, europe mm-hmm. thankfully is very walkable yeah. yeah london i know back of my head like yeah. that's not a problem uh but in india i always yeah tend to fix these things at least yeah. for the first one or two days till the time i'm not comfortable with that place yeah right. uh sometimes we also travel partner so for example for mexico for 7 days i'm going to travel partner with a boutique travel company who will take care of everything and then i'll okay. land off uh, land up staying there for another one week which would be my own exploration which works oh, okay. perfectly that's a nice way to do it yeah 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 so that's that's one way of doing it yeah uh but obviously read as much and i download an offline google map i mark mm-hmm. things on that google map i know exactly where i am and yeah. how you know the directions and i love taking screenshots of things so i'm very well prepared like that yeah uh, i always take like printouts of things in case my phone dies right, right. um so yeah i yeah. guess i'm just super organized like that yes. so it just works I imagine yeah. no no I imagine you have to be um that's amazing so um you know I I'm also curious now bigger picture you've really looked at the um the arts and crafts um the design scene in India I mean like you said it's really been kind of booming in a very different way over the past 10 years I would say um yeah and you know like jaipur emerging as this real kind of cultural capital that's a real kind of international hub um yeah. of you know basically like all kinds of design based businesses um so tell me a little bit about this view um of you know is this right do you feel like that's what's happening um what's For your sure. kind of take on it India is right now the most exciting place to be if you're not an Indian. I have to say because you know when you're an Indian and you're a woman there are lots of other challenges but if I were to just purely speak about work yeah it's so exciting because there's so much that can be done and yeah. we have so many resources you know if you're if you're a designer we have textiles we have tailors we have yeah. crafts people of all kind yeah uh magazine like this is thriving why because there are not 10 other magazines like this mm-hmm. uh yet mm-hmm. there's obviously going to be a con but i think india is so exciting uh jaipur like you r- rightly said is very 
uh up and coming and i was in jaipur in fact two weeks ago and i met somebody from brazil i met somebody from colombia and you know mm. one would think that it's only french or english mm-hmm. but people from all over are coming mm-hmm. uh, and coming and to work just, there right not just yeah, to visit yeah to work yeah and uh not just to work with block print makers but they're coming to make jewelry they're coming mm-hmm. to make furniture they're coming to make scents and you know i feel like i'm realizing so much more about my own country uh when i'm traveling and i'm you know looking at all these different exciting businesses mm-hmm. people are really going back uh, to our roots when it comes to uh, yoga ayurveda uh you know within the beauty sector there's so much progress goodots brand palo they do a lot in botanics mm-hmm. um you know and this is so great because you know we have so much material to work on yeah. india has so much material to work on like mm-hmm. for my next issue i'm actually researching on symbolism and elements and i don't know if you've seen my artist website i created mm-hmm. this uh, series of works uh and indigo am, and charcoal yes yeah. um and i'm doing a lot of reading about it right now as well and if somebody were to create brands just uh based on indian philosophies and you know whatever mm-hmm. we have mm-hmm. i don't i mean it's crazy you mm-hmm. have so mm-hmm. much to work on mm-hmm. and people mm-hmm. who work on it uh so i feel like it's super exciting that's exactly why so many people are coming here you know yeah. uh yeah. to do things um i mean the other thing that always strikes me when i look at the sort of design boom in india especially with things like um clothing it's that um the sort of handmade handloom textiles and the designers that work with that they have all become this very expensive niche um hmm. and so you know i don't know if you've seen any kind of um contrast to this but um and i think it's great those designers are doing that but um you know where does that leave the masses are they just still going to have to wear the cheap clothes that are making their way internationally across into these markets that uh, mm-hmm. you know um and then there's this sort of handloom wearing uh elite in india in short um so have you Yeah I know what any you mean. Kind of... I'm actually going to mm-hmm. this is very related to your last question as well so you know these are actually two schools of thought that I'm trying to address even with this question so you know it has a lot of uh, brand value so it has become almost like it's fashionable to be sustainable and yeah. hence they are charging more right mm. and of course there is a lot of craftsmanship that goes into it that's also because you know yeah. it should be expensive and then them branding costs and all sorts of things right. but uh it's it's luxury to even have that knowledge you know yeah. people don't have the time uh especially the working class doesn't have the time to invest in these uh intellectual conversations i guess yeah. and understand this deeply and then make those choices very expensive choices yeah uh so that's why it's very easy to just walk into a chain store and just buy it and just look good and there's this immediate kind of uh satisfaction that you get out of fashion right yeah. so uh, i would say it's actually two schools of thought uh there is there are brands which are khadi and not so expensive and mm. then there is this whole community there but then you know like if i were to just which ones are those sorry 
so for example uh fab india does a great job at making affordable yet mm-hmm. bringing you the craft product mm-hmm. but there are some smaller ones as well like i can think of this brand called lota Mm-hmm. uh and okay. then there is this brand called the shop in lodi colony like most mm-hmm. of their dresses are 1500 which is like okay. $20 it's like cheaper than zara mm-hmm. uh you know but again it depends on what adds value to your life and which spectrum of uh society you're coming from you know sure. are you just buying this because sustainable because khadi or are you also buying it because it's fashionable and then yeah. when it comes to fashion and when it comes to that aspirational value you also want to feel that i have something that 10 other people don't have sure. right so it's a very branding mentality and if i were to just think about india or sorry in delhi itself it again comes to those two schools of thought you know are you doing this because you want to support a small business and you like the idea of small business yeah. or are you doing this because uh, you know you actually are a corporate person uh, but you know it's it's just nice to endorse them you know what i'm trying to say i don't know if i've made my point very clear here actually i'm sure i've confused you mm. but um, <laughs> well i but, think it's it's certainly true that people would like to support um you know um brands that are working with artisans who are supporting local crafts people who are sustainable in some way um but i think the design led kind of you know the visual appeal and the design uh forwardness of it is um a non-negotiable for a lot of people and i think that's yeah. why now you can actually find with even with nicobar as an example Yeah. um clothes that have the right design and the look that people want so they're not doing just the sort of really old fashioned khadi clothing um yeah. you know that doesn't have the design element that's contemporary but nikobar is not khadi no i know i know but i mean yeah. even their their whole sort of ethos and the fact that it's a homegrown brand uh was not necessarily that it's actually uh, all branding this is exactly what i mean that you know there are two kinds of people one who are actually do, doing it mm-hmm. and i love nikobar you know yeah. i absolutely love to buy from brands and i love philosophy and stories mm-hmm. uh but it is still made in a factory that's what i'm mm-hmm. trying to say like yes. it might not be uh again i'm not sure if how if this is the right statement or not but what i'm trying to say is that you know there are all these different brands like for example reena from ika mm-hmm. so she's making uh handloom clothing you know it's coming from a designer she's put thought into sure. everything and it's low volume right it sells at certain locations so i'm going to pay for all of that whereas yeah, nikobar is obviously giving me a very different product altogether right like i'm oh, buying for sure for, and they are but and they are reaching a bit more into the middle you know middle exactly. class kind of range because they're exactly. not that expensive yeah 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 so exactly so it's very difficult to kind of generalize that what is that one school of thought because there is no one school of thought there are yeah, yeah. but i would say like we have become a more brand consumption mature audience like that at mm-hmm. least people now understand what brands are people understand mm-hmm. why they're investing into certain like mm-hmm. i carry a napadori bag which is 15000 bucks you know you can actually buy a mark jacobs in 15000 and i know there are people in delhi who would totally buy mark jacobs mm-hmm. but that doesn't add any value to me 
so you see that difference that uh yeah. why am i buying napadori because of the product for, and also because i love napadori's story so yeah. i would say there are these like parallel kind of schools yes. of thought that exist in india and the number is obviously increasing yeah. if 10 years ago there were only four people who were buying from brands like this now there are hundreds out of those thousands yeah 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 i do think that the high end does lead that change and i think like you said having all of these options is a new thing and a great thing so you really do want yeah. options at all you know uh, levels of the spectrum and um and i think that's exciting right now um yeah so yeah that's great i mean we could talk forever about so many of these things yeah. um but uh i'd love to talk a little bit about what life has been under the lockdown in delhi for you as someone who travels so much and sounds like you've started to do some travel for your upcoming issue um how has that been going Oh uh, so when in the beginning honestly I was very scared and uh, this is like I was saying I was supposed to travel that week and it all got cancelled mm. so I was really bummed about that but um but then you know me being me I I tried to make the best of things and I I started to paint and there were you know all these different projects that I thought I would do uh sometime in the future and suddenly i had all this time so i tried to utilize it and i was doing a lot of reading mm-hmm. um so so quarantine was all right it was more me going back to the drawing board and you know mm-hmm. rethinking what am i doing why am i doing it how can i do it better what is it that i don't want to do so it was a good time for me to kind of you know uh restart yeah uh since the unlock has happened um i've been reaching out to lots of people to see where they're at and i'm mm-hmm. also kind of uh, analyzing how the landscape has changed changed because so many businesses have shut but so many businesses have re-strategized so you know i'm for mm. me it's a lot about uh understanding how are people inspired what is their motivation and what is it that i want to put in the next issue as well so mm-hmm. so far i've only been to jaipur uh, mostly mm-hmm. because i was seeing all these very exciting things happening in jaipur on instagram i'm like okay you know what i'm just going to go and <laughs> turns out i actually got three very exciting stories and it will be part of the next okay. issue okay that's um, great yeah yeah and i saw you so, say that the 28 koti is that right Yeah, I see the twenty-eight Koti. What a lovely home-like place to stay. Yeah, it's that? beautiful. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I see. So you're starting to kind of venture out and see how it goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and uh, teaching and mentoring has recently started to happen, and I think it was a product of the time that I spent during quarantine with myself. I felt like I had so much to. share mm. and it was the most constru- constructive way to kind of put all this information out mm. you know uh so that came out of it mm-hmm. and uh, now i'm also going to start with uh healing with arts workshops and without making it sound very wellness like it's actually uh un- you know kind of utilizing journaling painting collaging and techniques like this in creative lifestyle so even mm. if you're somebody who's uh you know not a designer but some sort of creative field like how can you kind of enhance your creativity with these skills so it's a workshop that i'm still designing and i'm still figuring a way to uh, how to go about it and who to collaborate with yeah. but uh, yeah a lot of creation happened actually mm-hmm. 
That's great. Yeah. I mean, it, it can be a real time of renewal if you have that, the luxury of the space and the time. And um, that's great that you used it in that way. Um, yeah. Tell us some of your favorite things to do or see in Delhi that are off the beaten path. Oh, well, I mean, I absolutely love Delhi tombs and paths. Uh, mm-hmm. I know Lodi Gardens is really famous, but I actually love going to Sabdarjang tomb, which mm-hmm. is not the most celebrated one. Uh, even like Indian tours would always take you to the Humayu tomb. Yeah. But Sabdarjang tomb is really a hidden gem, I would say. Uh, So I just love taking walks around these tombs, you know, sit with a book. Uh, My favorite bookshop is the bookshop in Jorbag, uh, run by this lady who has had it for, I think, 50 years now. Uh, And yeah, just it's in it's in a residential colony, super quiet. You know, you don't have to uh, worry too much about parking. Yeah. and I love these like old school businesses they, who are truly local and they've stayed authentic. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not really in any kind of rut. Uh, yeah. My favorite coffee shop is Devon's in Lodi Colony. Again, from the 60s, mm-hmm. uh, authentic South Indian coffee shop. And it's a third generation business now. And I've landed up becoming friends with those guys as well. <laughs> uh, so... Yeah, so for me, like Delhi's, uh, you know, books and coffee and tombs, uh, <laughs> walking around parks. Yeah. Uh, right now, the museums and galleries are shut, but I, I am always very, uh, you know, up to date with what's happening in my favorite galleries, and yeah. uh, I'll definitely take a visit in, mm-hmm. in, you know, exhibitions. I hope like in October things will open up mm-hmm. because that's really the culture season. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so yeah. What are some of your favorite galleries there? Mm, Bikaner House does really good exhibitions. Yeah. Um, I go to NGMA a lot, mm-hmm. National Gallery of Modern Art. Crafts Museum, excellent space, always yeah. inspiring. I've been going there since 15 years. Mm. Um, Vadera in Defense Colony is, is pretty quaint, again, in a residential colony, and I like that. Um Habitat Center does events like they do rare film screenings and yeah. they always have something on. So if yeah. you really just want something, uh, you know, for the evening, you'll find something. But yeah. also Oddbird Theater in Dhanmil Compound, they they put together some really cool creative gigs. So so I subscribe to their newsletter. Mm. So there's, there's quite a lot that's happening actually in Delhi. Yeah. In terms of culture. Oh, I'm missing yeah. it now. I was there in February for a wedding in Jorbag actually. So oh, okay. Yeah, but I'll have to wait a few months uh, before I can make it back. Um, and speaking about reading, I love to usually close out with books. So are there any that you'd like to share, either that you've enjoyed recently or that were all-time favorites? So I usually read three, four at the same time. Right now I'm reading Travels of Ibn Battuta. Mm. I'm reading uh, Shiv to Shankara by Devdat Patnayak because, because Shiva really fascinates me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm reading this short story compilation uh, of Satyajit Ray. It's called Indigo. Uh-huh. Um, and... Uh, 
I have a lot of poetry books that I flip through pretty much every day. Like I would read three, four books. And last night I was reading Essential Kabir. It's like this compilation mm-hmm. of Sufi poems, Bhakti mm-hmm. poems. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so a lot of uh, reading, like parallel reading, actually. I just yeah. never stick to one book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Okay, I think we're running out of time. So um, before we wrap up, tell us where we can find you and connect with you. Well, the best way is to stay connected uh, via Instagram, which is at the rate Coco and Jasmine. But mm-hmm. I am also available on email. And my website is cocoandjasmine.com. And email is sily at the rate cocoandjasmine.com. So I, I absolutely love hearing from people. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Okay, I think that's all we have thank time for. Thank you for, for. having me. I, I had such a good time talking to you. <laughs> oh, me too. It's been a long time coming, but uh, I'm glad we could do it. Thank you so much uh, again. And thank you all for listening. If you've enjoyed it, we'd love for you to subscribe and leave us a little review on iTunes if you can. Um, all the links that were mentioned today can be found in our show notes at theindianedit.com. And if you have any suggestions for people you'd like to hear from, please email me or send me a message on Instagram at theindianeditpodcast. I'd love to hear from you. And thanks again for listening. <laughs>